session with Dr. Farid Hulaku. Good afternoon and welcome to In Session with Dr. Fadid Hulakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Fadid Hulakwi, and I'll be with you for the next two hours here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter, like my page, on Facebook or follow me on Instagram to get updates on the show or suggest topics for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. Again, the studio number 310-4410555. Before I get started, I wanted to announce the book of the week again for this week. It's Emotional Intelligence 2.0 by Travis Bradbury and Gene Greaves. Um, and that actually will tie into what I want to start the show with, which is uh, my seminar this Sunday, April 23rd from 3 to 6 p.m. at the Olympic Collection. Tickets are $40 at the door. And the title of that seminar is Emotional Intelligence. So that's this Sunday. Hope to see you there. I wanted to give a little preview of that talk um, to know what to expect if you are able to join us this Sunday. Uh, So I hope to overview what emotional intelligence is and why it is important, and then also how you can develop it and work on it. Because the good news is, unlike our IQ research, which we have found that you can't really change much, you can't improve it, research has shown that you can improve your EQ or your emotional intelligence, and that's very good news. What makes this even more important is that IQ, which was thought to be a, or was developed in order to predict success, um, both really in school and also in professional degrees, turned out not to predict so much and really could only predict about 20% of what we see as becoming successful or what determines who becomes successful or not. And this was puzzling to individuals Now, we can't say the other 80% is all EQ, but we are seeing more and more that EQ seems to be a better predictor of success than IQ. So your emotional intelligence can impact your life more than your IQ. And this really does make sense when we consider how most of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, whether it's work, family, um, love life, whatever it might be, or with your friends, involves your EQ or your emotional intelligence much more than your IQ, how you relate with individuals, how you connect with people, um, how you take care of yourself. All of this is better at predicting or is a bigger part of your day than really what your IQ gives you. So that is good news that the EQ is more important and also we can work on it. Now, another thing about emotions, and this is what I'll, I'll also talk about on Sunday, is many people are very disconnected from their emotions and there's lots of reasons why and sometimes people think well what's the point emotions just make things messy emotions just make things difficult and challenging they don't feel so good so why should i bother feeling them or getting in touch 
with something that is sometimes painful, it's a lot easier just to completely detach myself from them or not feel them or who cares? What's the big deal? Well, the truth of the matter is we always have an emotional state. It's always there and it's always affecting us whether we know it or not. Our emotional state can be compared to something like your temperature. Now, you don't always really know your body's temperature specifically, but you always have one. Hopefully right now it's somewhere around 98.6 degrees Celsius, but you hope that it's, um, or 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. If it's Celsius, please see a doctor immediately. Um, But you always have a temperature, although you might not be aware of it. Emotions can be the same way for some people where they don't feel it until it becomes very extreme. So if you have a fever, all of a sudden you feel your... um, emotions or your temperature, but if you don't, then you just don't really know what's going on. The same is true of our emotions. We always have something going on. Whether or not we are aware of it, that's a different idea. So it's always there. And even the way the brain works, information comes up through the brain in a way that it passes through our emotional centers before it gets to our logical, rational centers of the brain. So our emotions are there and they are impacting us. And if you're not actually aware of your emotions, well, then what actually happens is they affect you in ways that you don't even realize. You might not realize you're upset at someone and then later on you have a conversation and you get really angry or you make a decision based on those feelings you are not aware of. So the whole point of emotional intelligence and first and foremost getting in touch with your emotions is that they're always there and they're a source of information that is always affecting you. But to be informed of it or be aware of it, that just makes you a better decision maker in your own life. We need the emotional and we need the rational. It's not one or the other. Uh, It's not just go on your logic, which is what some people try to do, although they don't realize how emotions are still playing a part. And it's also not just act purely on your emotions in the moment and let them overcome you and make all the decisions in your life. That's not healthy either, and that's not going to lead to a happy life for you in the long run. What we want to do is find a blend and an integration between your emotional and your rational minds. Take in the emotional information, how am I feeling, what's going on, how does this make me feel, but then also the rational, okay, how do I want to decide, what do I want to decide to do in this situation, what would be the best course of action based on how I understand what is going on. And with emotional intelligence, you learn to do exactly that, because you learn that although I'm in touch with my emotions, I'm going to be aware of them, I'm going to understand them. So it's not just about what I'm feeling, but I want to also go deeper the why. Okay, if I'm upset right now, what might be causing that feeling? Why might I be upset? Is it something about this person that triggers some relationship from the past? Is it something they said that actually is an insecurity of mine that's making me upset? What really is going on? So we want to do um, the why, but when we become in touch with our emotions and we gain emotional intelligence, Although we understand what we're feeling, we don't get consumed by it at the same time. And this is something that some people almost fear when it comes to getting in touch with their emotions is this fear that it's going to overwhelm them or that if they get in touch with their feelings, they have to do everything emotionally. But this is not the case. Emotional intelligence says, I feel sad, not I am sad. Or I feel angry, but I am not 
angry. It's not just that all I am is anger, because if that's how we feel, it's going to consume us and decide what we're going to do. It's that I recognize I have this feeling of anger. I have this feeling of sadness. Let me try to understand it. And with that, it'll help me inform my decision using my rational mind as well. So emotional intelligence involves getting more in touch with our feelings because these are a great source of information and then learning how to integrate that into our world by using our rational mind to make the best decisions for ourselves. Not all decisions involve a lot of emotions and not all involve a lot of rational mind, but it's good to have both at our disposal and integrate them in everything that we do. Now we can look at emotional intelligence in a few ways or a few different domains. There's the personal domain and there's the social domain. And I'll talk more about those as well on Sunday. The personal domain first involves self-awareness, which is something I've been talking about for most of this segment. Being aware of what I'm feeling, why am I feeling it, what are my triggers, what things tend to make me feel certain ways, but being in touch with my feelings. And believe it or not, most people are not aware of what they're feeling. Sometimes it makes me laugh when you ask someone what they're feeling and they don't know. I almost want to ask them, well, who should I ask? Because you're the person who's, of course, there and in touch with yourself, but sometimes we're not even aware of what we're feeling. And uh, the research in this book of the week for this week talks about how most of the time most people don't know what they're feeling. So first we have the self-awareness, which really is this foundational skill, a pillar of emotional intelligence, maybe the most important one. And then with that, from the uh, self-awareness, is self-management. How do I uh, take care of myself based on especially what I know about how I feel? How do I then take care of myself and how do I manage my emotions? Because again, it's not just enough to feel our emotions, it's what we do with that. Uh, Do I express them appropriately? Do I not suppress them and not allow myself to express it? Do I do things to help me feel better if I can, taking care of myself, exercising, socializing, unwinding when I need to, doing the things that help me take care of me emotionally based on the knowledge I have of myself. So that's the personal domain. Then we go to the social domain, which also has two components. The first one is social awareness. How good am I at picking up others' emotions? And first and foremost, how concerned I am with that. Do I even care about that? Do I pay attention to that? And a lot of the emotional intelligence skills, what we see is that even by just trying to get better at it, the fact that we're focusing our attention on that makes us better at that skill. So the more I focus or make it a primary focus of mine in my interactions, okay, how is this person feeling? Why might they feel this way? And of course, this is where empathy comes into play. Can I try to understand what it's like to be in their shoes and why they might be feeling something, even though I don't think I would feel that in the same situation at times, let me try to understand it from their perspective, walking in their shoes. So this is social awareness, becoming aware and concerned with the people around us and how good we are at picking up at those things. And the second component of the social domain is relationship management. Now, based on all of these first three skills, the self-awareness, self-management, and the social awareness, how do I use all that information to manage or deal with my emotions with people from coworkers, to family members, to romantic partners? How do I use all that information incorporated into my relationships to get the most out of my relationships, to um, show love and care to those around me, and to create the healthiest relationships that I can, which also involves talking about things that maybe aren't the most comfortable to talk about, but will likely help the relationship and whatever else it might take to 
to create healthier and happier relationships for myself. So this is a simplistic way, and actually the book Emotional Intelligence 2.0 provides this type of a description of emotional intelligence, which I really like because it is uh, simplified, and within each domain and each skill, there's so much going on, but it's a good way to look at it. There's the personal and the social, and within there's both the the awareness and then how you use that awareness to bring about something better, whether it's with yourself or in your relationships. So this Sunday, I'll get more in depth of these various skills and domains of emotional intelligence. And then also we'll go a little bit deeper looking at each aspect of it, specifically with relationships. What does that mean? And some components of emotional intelligence that I think are incredibly important um, in, in our overall over, our overall well-being emotionally, such as our frustration tolerance. And we'll be doing an exercise together where um, we'll, we'll see this in play and also have a little bit of a discussion about what people's experiences are during that exercise because it usually does bring up some thoughts and feelings for people and I want to create that dialogue during the seminar on Sunday. And of course, we'll have time for question and answer as well. So hope to see you this Sunday, April 23rd from 3 to 6 p.m. at the Olympic Collection. Tickets are $40 at the door and the subject matter or the topic is emotional intelligence. Hope to see you there. All right, let's get to our first commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Talakwe. Back to in session with Dr. Fadi Talakwi. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hello. Hi. Yeah, my I have a son. He's ten and a half. Ten and a half. Okay. Yes, and uh, he's complaining about problem hearing. But people are saying he said that he can't hear good. He, and his mind is busy all the time, and um, he does stuff over and over to check on them, and when he's doing it, he talks to himself, and when he's, sometimes I see him talking, it's like somebody's asking a question, and he's answering yes, no, I don't know, and, uh, and sometimes he plays with his fingers like they are puppet, and he's playing, uh, you know, um, like when he wants to talk, he uses his finger as puppet, and and talk and I just talked him to the doctor and they check his earring I mean his ear mm-hmm. and um, the test was okay and there was nothing wrong with his with him um, and uh, he just got, got upset and he told them that my mind is going crazy I know mm-hmm. I have problem there is something going on I hear voices and sometimes I hear like ring tone and, uh, you know, and I just want to see if you can help him. I told him that he will talk to a doctor on the phone, but he doesn't know he's on radio, and he doesn't well, want me to talk well, to I, him. Okay, I don't, want, I don't want him to not know it's on the radio. He has to know that. We're not going to trick him into talking to, on the radio. I don't, I don't think it's a matter. it doesn't matter. I'm, I know, I'm not concerned about the matter. I mean, he needs to know. I wouldn't want to talk to him if he doesn't know. 
okay, so you can tell him when you talk to him and ask him if it's okay. No, I mean, I don't want you to put him on the air and tell him he's on the radio. That's not, yes. that, that would not be appropriate. If you'd like to, to talk to him and see if he's okay with that and then bring him on, that I'm, that I'm okay with. Yeah, sure, I will do that. Okay. Um, okay. And yeah, but go ahead. If you want to talk yourself, we can talk if, you, if you'd like, but I don't want to bring him on without him knowing. Go ahead. Yeah. And he has lots of other problems. His emotion goes up and down a lot. And um, he, he's autistic. Okay, that's a, okay. That's that was a that's big information. I, I um, you know, I'm glad you said that, but that's that's very important in explaining what's what's going on. Okay, so he has autism. Yeah. Yes, and he was diagnosed with ADHD, mm-hmm. but uh, another doctor said he doesn't have ADHD, and another doctor said he doesn't have autism. So they keep changing his diagnosis, and mm-hmm. I'm really I'm sure he has he is autistic. Because of the way he acts and he understands the stuff and he doesn't, you know, he's different, I can tell. Mm-hmm. But about his ADD or ADHD, I'm not sure. About OCD, I'm not sure, you know. And he was on an old kind of medication. And yeah. the only one that works for him was Abilify. And um, then the insurance didn't cover it, so they changed it to something similar to Adelify, but that makes him feel weird, so I stop him, and now he's on a natural medication, it's Calm from Dr. Hoban, and that's the only one that keeps him, his emotion on a steady, he's good when he uses, when he takes that, he's good, but if I miss it for, you know, like, a few days, for whatever reason, he starts crying for no reason, he makes big deal about this stuff. Okay, well, uh, you know, your son is clearly dealing with a, a lot, you know. Um, yeah. It's not, you're saying you're pretty sure about the autism diagnosis, and, uh, you know, it's good to see lots of doctors to figure out what's going on. But I want you to understand, when, you know, you say my son, he makes it a big deal. Um, if he has autism and whatever he is, in fact, dealing with, when he, what what you might think is not a big deal, feels very strong to him. It's like... If, you know, I know you talked about his hearing, but if your ears were more sensitive, like they heard more loudly, then what we might consider a normal sound sounds very loud to you and very painful to you. So I want you to recognize, and I was talking about empathy in the last segment, that when he's telling you he's upset, although you might think, well, this is not that big of a deal. Why is he getting so upset? I want you to recognize that for him, it is. It's very painful. So don't just think he's making it a big deal or... He's being dramatic, or he needs to not make it a big deal. It's it's really almost out of his control. Yeah, um, but like then I then somebody look at him, he gets upset. Yeah. Or when I'm talking about him, even if he's funny, he say a joke, and I say he said this joke, he gets upset. Why are you talking about? Okay, him? well then you don't or then don't I'm, talk about him if he doesn't want that. And I'll be honest, even the fact that you want him to come on the radio without him knowing shows me that maybe you're not always aware of respecting his boundaries and and being you know um you know aware of what his space is if he doesn't want you to talk about something you have no right to tell anyone about it if he says mom i don't want you to tell anyone this story you don't tell anyone now if it's a matter of his health and you have to tell a doctor to you know ensure his health in some way you can even let him know i have to tell some doctor no but 
when it comes to stories and things, he doesn't want you to tell them. You say, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't. If he told you specifically, then you don't say it. But if you didn't know and you say it, you say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't know you. You didn't like me to share that story. Thanks for letting me know. But that yeah. that that's you know that's up to him. It's same with you. I mean, if you if you tell your friend or someone a story, you say keep it between me and you. You don't want them telling anyone. So, you know, your son and you mentioned the OCD. It's possible some of the things you were talking about are similar. But we know that autism people who are on the autism spectrum like things to be a very specific way, and it has to look a certain way and be a certain way, and they can't tolerate a change from that that norm. So it could be. What you're talking about looks like OCD could be part of his autism, um, but also autism can be um, comorbid or can be uh, people with autism can have other disorders at the same time, like ADHD that you were saying. It could be OCD, other things that are going on. You, your son definitely is, is dealing with significant mental illness, and it's going to take a lifelong treatment for him. You know, that's never... It's never going to be something that he'll just grow out of or is going to change completely. And it's going to be up to you to give him the most and the best treatment you can. And it involves lots of things. Medication is going to be part of it. But also, uh, I'm sure he's getting some kind of therapy, uh, behavioral therapy or something of that sort. Yeah, I put him on ADA. Um, uh -huh. um, is it long waiting list? And they didn't get to him yet, but he has so far two different therapists that they come to my house. One of them has to move, so they change it to another one. And the other one that comes, uh, she just comes and listens to him. Mm -hmm. And uh, she doesn't teach him any skills or, you know. And uh, so I asked them to get him some ABA therapy. And he's on waiting list for that. But the doctors that I go so far, like I changed like four or five doctors, mm -hmm. they are, I don't trust them because they keep changing the diagnosis. They, the medication they give him is awful. Like one of them is Bacropian. Um I took this medication like six months ago for 100 milligrams, and it gave me very bad headache and it was awful, and they gave this medication to my son for 150 milligrams, almost like one and a half mm -hmm. more than me, and they should know better than that, you know. I, I was scared that they keep changing the medication, and the medication he takes, he acts weird, he feels weird. I felt that they don't know what they are doing. Well, so that. I mean, you know, the 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 diagnosis changing. You know, I I can understand the frustration with that, and that um, it's not going to be so clear a lot of times with these things, especially the way you're describing your son's behavior. There's so much going on that it's hard to maybe give one diagnosis or several diagnoses yeah. to understand it. But yeah. the side effects, of course, are going to be uncomfortable, but um, or even painful. But we're dealing with someone like I said. Your your son's illness is very severe. So to think that we just don't have to give him any medication and don't have to do anything about it is not going to work. He's going to need the medication. And even if he has a side effect, we always want to look at the cost benefit of these things. That is he, um, you know, is it helping him more than the side effects are hurting him? Because he's in a lot of emotional pain. 
I'm, I'm sure he's not, yeah. even you, when you see him, you can feel that. It's not that things are easy for him. Things are very difficult for him. So it's about finding, you know, it's a pretty bad situation or an unfortunate situation, but it's trying to make the best of that. So, um, you know, I want you to know that with, with a lot of mental illness, but especially when it's more severe, there's a lot of changing diagnoses. There's a lot of um, changing medications is very common, even with depression, schizophrenia, whatever we're dealing with. So I don't want you to think that means they don't know. Unfortunately, with um, psychological illnesses, we don't have the ability to just do like a blood test and know exactly what's going on and to know what medicine to give your son. You know, I wish it was that way, but it, it really, it can't be that way. So as frustrating as it might be, I don't want you to think that this means the doctors have no idea what they're doing and they don't care or they don't know better and they're just trying different things. You know, sometimes this is the only way they can do it is by trying different things, observing him, seeing what's working for him and going forward from there. So I really would hope you don't give up on the treatment aspect of things. Yeah, I know that they got to change the medication to see what, which one works better yeah. for him. But I'm not sure if they are giving him the right dose. You know, like guanfetine, that was one of the first medications they gave him for one milligram. And then it, it just makes him hungry. That's all it does. And which one? Fluxetine? Okay. Guanfetine. Okay. For one milligram. And another doctor told me one milligram doesn't do anything. It just makes him hungry. That's why that is not working. So, see what I'm saying? No, I, I can understand. Yeah. Him. Are you going to psychiatrist or who are you seeing? Um, I see, let's see here. Nurse practitioner. Um, and. Uh, the first one that I went was was psychologist. Okay, mm. they can't prescribe medication. I mean, daughter. Psychiatrist. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. that's good. That's what you want to see, and you want to see a child psychiatrist, someone who specializes working with children, and even if you can find someone who specializes in working with autism specifically. Yeah. That's going to be very important. You do want to work with someone who has the experience and expertise um, for that. So. I would take that very seriously. And, you know, your your son, what you're dealing with, I'm also sure it's it's very hard on you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> That's very... Because I'm, I don't... Um, I'm, I'm very confused, too, you know. I'm, like, going to different doctors and I don't get help the way I, I should. Yeah. But I want to give you some um, family... Yes, I want to ask you about that. Tell me about the yeah. family. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I myself have uh, depression, but it's not severe. Mm -hmm. uh, my husband has a very um, high OCD. Like he washes hands too much. He say like some bug wash here is very don't put things here or stuff like that. He has borderline this personality disorder. Sorry, who has who has borderline? My husband. Okay. He has neuro anxiety, and he has a very severe depression. His family, like mom and uncle, they have very bad OCD. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, for my side, my, my one of my sister have uh, bipolar disorder, and uh, yeah. I see it in few of my my father's side. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and do you have any other children? Uh, I have another son. He's one year older. Okay. And uh, another son. He's eighteen. Okay. Um, okay. And how are they doing? Um, not very good. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, you know what you're what you're describing. Um, first of all, genetically is very significant. I mean, that's a lot from both sides of the family that your children are getting. And then you're saying your husband has borderline personality disorder? Yes. Is he getting treatment for that? No, he he talks him 20 years to accept that he has neuroanxiety and depression. He's kind of narcissist. Narcissist? He has, yeah, he has that problem too. Like his eye doesn't, he he can't see good, he can't hear good, but he doesn't want to go to doctor. He's like, I'm perfect. I don't have any problems, and he ignores his, you know, problems. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So like I was saying, I mean, you're dealing with there's the genetic already. There's a lot going on, but then if your husband is uh, borderline, or you know, it seems like you're, he's dealing with a lot. Also, it, the home can't be a very peaceful place either. And for a child with autism, um, they need a calm, they need security, they need stability. And so, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like that's the kind of home you're going to create. So that's going to hurt your son as well. And I want you to recognize that if your son is dealing with these illnesses that you're describing. It's not like the medication is making him feel bad. It seems like he's not going to be feeling good most days anyway, right? Um, if, he, if I gave him the medication that I got from Dr. Oban, he's doing much better. Okay, much better, yeah. And I could, I could, I could understand that. It's a, to a degree, but he, he's probably in a lot of pain most days, or his days are not easy. You know, life, no, unfortunately, for someone with autism, life is a lot is a lot harder to be just very frank about it. It's, it's hard to say it that way, but that's what they're dealing with. So I want you to recognize that for your son, the youngest one, he, he's going to have a, a lot of difficulty. He's going to face a lot of challenges, and we have to accept that. Um, but I w- wouldn't want you to give up on his treatment in any way. You know, he needs medication. He needs lots of intensive therapy. He's going to need a lot of social support. It takes a lot to treat someone with autism and to give them what they need. And all of that means that it's not going to make his life easy and quote-unquote cure him, but that it can make his, his suffering less, his pain less, and let him get as close to a normal life that he can have or the type of normal that will be good for him, that he'll be happy yeah. with. And so you have to be ready for that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a challenge. Yes, that's right. So I, I need to know... Um, what kind of therapy I need to take him, and um, is there any test that I can do to make sure he has OCD or any personality disorder? Is there, well, you know, so personality disorder you can't even diagnose till someone is eighteen, but um, yeah. I I think you know autism itself is is it could explain a lot of what you're talking about. There aren't, as I know, a specific test for OCD. Um, as far as the therapy he needs, he needs going to need a lot of different types of therapy. He could ABA could be helpful, some type of behavioral treatment definitely. Um, he also is going to likely need social skills training. He might need a language or speech therapist at some point. There's a lot of you know there's like wraparound services that your son is going to need of various different yeah. kinds. 
And so when they suggest them to you, I want you to be open to them because I know you said you're a little bit skeptical of the doctors and what they're recommending, but your son needs and deserves a lot of help. And yeah, he gets speech therapy and okay, uh, social skills at the school. And um, I already um, put him on ABA. He's on waiting list. He's the second yeah. one on the waiting list. But um, I don't want to wait for it. I don't know how long does it take. And he he tells me he, I need to talk to someone. I can't handle this stuff by myself. And I want to know if I want to take him to a doctor. What, what kind of therapy is going to be good for him? Well, you know, if he's saying he wants someone to talk to, that could be good. Again, with the psychiatrist, same thing as a therapist or psychologist. Make sure it's someone who works with children and especially with autism. It is a very unique diagnosis that not everyone has experience working with. So you want to make sure it's someone who, who knows how to work with your son. But if he's asking for something, I would give it to him. And like I said, he's going to need multiple services. So it's not like there's just one therapy that's going to help him and that's it. It's going to take no, a lot. kind of like... A cognitive therapy or that, you know. yeah that could i mean it could be helpful to be honest i don't know specifically what type of psychotherapy would be best for your son um i think what's most important is to find someone who's an expert or has experience working with children who have autism to make sure they mm -hmm. can figure out what's the best treatment for him because i i can't really tell you what to do yeah. but i would say definitely get him in a lot of treatment and like i said you're gonna have to accept that he's going to be struggling or that things are going to be difficult for him it's not going to be easy, and um, we're trying to make something that's feeling bad for him a little bit less bad. So it's not yeah. going to make him feel so good, or he's going to be so happy every day and feel really good. Hopefully, maybe it's possible, but I want you to know that we're just looking for improvement. But if he indeed has autism, it's a lifelong illness. It doesn't go away, and it doesn't get very easy. It can get easier, but it's not going to be simple. And about the neurofeedback, do you think that's going to help him? That can be helpful too. You know, like I said, there's so many different types of treatment that I can't tell you this is what he has to do. Um, mm -hmm. But I would recommend, uh, you know, talking to the psychiatrist, talking to psychologists who specializes in working with him, and listen to what they say. Just take their word for it and go forward with that, because there's you know he's going to need a lot of different treatments people to respond differently to different things so there isn't one way to treat what he's got what he's dealing with but you have to try a bunch of different things i know it's frustrating you start doing a type of therapy or a type of medication and then find out it's not really helping him and then have to switch it I, I can understand that but you have to just keep going through that process and recognize it's not going to be something simple where we find one solution and, and, and it's going to go away the problem is going to go away no no i know that yeah really yeah, it's a lifetime. Yeah. Um, and do you think that um, he has trauma at the school with the lesson that they gave him? Yes. Hello? Yes, I can hear you. Yeah. And um, so I hired somebody to come to my house like twice, three times a week and work with him. Since she got, he got that help, his um, grades jump up. Uh, Great. He's been much, much better. But... Um, it's like he has to do a lot, like he goes to school from 8 to 4, and then he has to study for one hour, and, you know... Well, like, um, yeah, but that's, like I said, every, you know, things are going to be a little bit more challenging for him, unfortunately. But I was thinking that if um, I can do the homeschool for him, like if um, the person that comes to my house comes, like, two hours a day, 
and work with him and uh, I do like some yoga for him or well it's possible that could be good for him I don't want to say no right off the bat but it depends on what he wants most of all if he wants to be at the school and be around other kids I wouldn't take that away from him so I would ask him no he doesn't like school (laughs) okay well if he doesn't like it I would find also even you could maybe try to find kids who he gets along with that have similar interests with him and at least have him have social life like that yeah, I talk him to a scout, um, boys a scout, yeah. couple scout, whatever they call it. And yeah. he attends that, so... Okay, good. Um, you know, yeah, make sure he gets a social... Er- with him, things are a little bit different. You have to find ways to get him to connect with people that he likes. And the way he even wants to socialize might not be what you expect or what you think is typical socializing. So you have to be ready for that, that you have to give him what he wants and it's going to look different, you know. Um, I do have a bunch of people waiting online, and I have to go to a commercial break. If you talk to him and he wants to talk to me, he can, but I want you to know I'm not going to be able to just help him. I would love to talk to your son just to talk to him. But what you're dealing with is not going to be solved in a in a phone call talk, but he's more than welcome to talk if, again, you talk to him and he wants to talk to me and knows it's on the air. Yeah, I will tell him, and after commercial break, can, can you talk to him if he's he might, you know, I said I have a, a, full, a lot of lines full. I don't want to, I want to get to people, but talk to him and then we'll talk during the commercial break. Um, I'll yeah. check in with you, okay? But thank you for calling. Okay. All right. Thanks. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadir Lokwi. We'll be right back. back let's go to our next caller radio hamra you're on the air yeah hello dr Holakui. hello yes hi hi um dr Holakui, i am 57 years old mm-hmm. um i've been uh, married twice mm-hmm. my last marriage uh, lasted 21 years the divorce uh, process started two years ago and finalized last year uh, I started uh, the 12-step program for codependency mm-hmm. five years ago, and I am still on it. It helped me a lot. Well, good for you. Yes. And um, I, um, I, um, a friend that was um, in AA program, another 12-step program, mm-hmm. um, um, introduced me to another friend that he's also in AA, He'd been in AA program for two, 13 years, more than 13 years, but very... So anyway, he... My question is, uh, in terms of appearance, physical appearance, in terms of financial, in, and um, even uh, social, even um, professional job, a scale of 1 to 10... I am eight, and he's perhaps one. Okay. What does one uh, mean as far as I'm job? Sorry. When you say one, as far as job, career, what, what's going on with him? Um, he started um, a 
job, I believe. I don't know very well. He started something for himself that is. He goes to uh, all the AA and different convention around the uh, U.S. and perhaps even sometimes, uh, you know, outside the U.S. And he uh, taped those make the video and mm-hmm. make uh, CDs, and somehow I believe he sells them, or this is his job. That is how he earns m- his living. Okay. I do not know, you know, how it is. Ex- because I've been with him, I went to have breakfast with him only once. Mm-hmm. And um, in terms of, uh, so, but in terms of the mental health and spiritual health, he is eight, and I am three or four, perhaps. Uh, I am not, um, I don't want to get married to anyone that far on, I know. And I don't, um, I'm thinking about like, okay, he can be a friend, you know, to talk to sometimes. But when I went, uh, I noticed that he I felt like he was, he is very, very interested about me. Mm-hmm. And there is two questions here for me. One is, uh, I am not seeing him that way. I don't know I'm, I may, and I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to... I am trying to not to lead him on to anything and be honest and tell him, like, this is just a friendship now for me. But mm-hmm. then I say to myself, you know that uh, he's not looking at you that way. And, uh, um, and, the, others, um, and the other question I have is, <laughs> my cell phone is like, you know, this technology. <laughs> and... Um, my other question I have is... Well, let's, uh, let's start with that first part. Uh, so, y- you guys have just went to breakfast one time together? Yes. Okay. And you're saying you can tell he wants something romantic with you and you have no romantic interest in him? Uh, I don't know if he, he... You know, I'm sure that he's very respectful, you know, that, because that's not, we, that, text, yeah. we texted, but, you know, mm-hmm. so he's... But I have a, you know, I am 57 year old. When a guy looked at me as a woman, I can feel it. So okay. he looked at me as a woman. Okay. So my question is, what do you want? You said with him, you would like to maybe have a friendship at most. Yes, at this point, yes. Okay. But you said you don't want to hurt his feelings. Um, and would you be afraid if you told him how you feel, you would hurt his feelings? No. Okay. Uh, no, but um, <clears throat> he's accepting that right now from me. That, okay, I just want a um, very, I just want a male companion. And he said to me that I have been alone for 12 years and I don't see any reason to jump into any relationship. Okay. But the thing is, what it seems like is that you're saying I won't see you as a romantic partner ever and he wants a romantic relationship with you but would want to take his time and my concern is being that you're um 
someone who, of course, you've been in treatment for five years or going to the groups for five years, which is wonderful, and I'm sure that's helped. We know that you're prone to get into some type of codependent relationship or take on responsibility for guilt that isn't yours. Um, and this might be a perfect recipe for that, that if you start to get to know him better, you might not see him in that way, but then you can tell he's having feelings for you. And then you're going to feel guilty and maybe even stay or start a relationship with him to avoid that guilt. And even maybe you see him as kind of like a project to work on to help develop him, which is very a common theme for someone who has codependency. Yeah, perhaps that's what it is. I see it as a, I'm not seeing as a project. I'm seeing as like, a, not like a to change him. No, not like okay. that. But it's like, a, uh, okay, it's, you know, that's what it is. Uh, I feel like there is a 57 years uh, old of me, which is talking to you now. Mm-hmm. And then there is another maybe 26 or 23 years old of me that acting up sometimes, you know, like, uh, honestly, it is uh, kind of like uh, he asked me to go to breakfast also tomorrow with him. And I said, yes. And I was like, uh, oh, okay, he's very, uh, he likes me, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, it's um, like, um, maybe, I'm not going to say irresponsible 26 years old, but somehow like uh, why, why this has to be, uh, why, I, why this has to be interesting for me that he's very much attracted um, about me? Well, I mean, it could be a good feeling, obviously, to have that attraction. Although, what's strange for me is you said you described yourself as far as appearance and career goes as an eight. So it would seem that it's not something, it would, wouldn't be uncommon for you to feel someone is attracted to you, right? Right. But, um, Dr. Holakwi, I had a bad relationship. Yes. Which I had a part on it, and I did. But anyway, um, so I don't want to have a bad relationship. Yes. I'd rather not to have a relationship. And as far as I am concerned, everyone is sick unless they start to work on themselves. Mm-hmm. If it's going to be a 12-step program, which is better for me because I know the language and they know the language. If it's not, that's fine. If they are going to therapy, if they are working on themselves from other way, that uh, is good too. Mm-hmm. But the chances that I am 57 year old and I find a guy that is working on themselves uh, it's, I, I feel like you're making excuses to be with this guy. I'm sorry? It almost sounds like you're making excuses to be with this guy, that you're gonna, the, this gentleman that you're talking about. That at least he's working on himself, so maybe I should just be with him. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps I am pushing myself into it. Because, okay, I am... I, um, I, satisfied all my basic needs, you know, I have a roof, I have a good job, I have everything, I have uh, a lady's friend to go, so I need another 30% of my life be with the male. Uh, yes, but, but it should be with a male that you're attracted to and you like, not just a male. 
where can I find him? I don't know, but you got to keep looking. <laughs> but you don't want to if you if you describe to me someone as on a physical attraction as a one for you, that that's probably that's a bad sign. That shows you're not attracted to them. But it seems like very much what you're you're talking about to me seems like a classic codependent type of relationship. I hope he's you know I'm glad he's in AA and hopefully he's been able to stay sober. But it just seems like you are trying to take care of someone else or be something for someone else and not get your own needs met of what you want you know you just okay i'll have a companion you're you're, the way you're describing it to me is like you're trying to convince yourself that it's okay to be with this guy where you start off the conversation showing me that very clearly you're not a match for him or he's not a match for you but but it sounds like a very codependent type of relationship you're trying to stumble yourself into and you're right you said 26 or 27 year old you um it was probably your in a way you're trying to go back onto autopilot into your old ways, which is what we always do, and that's why these type of groups it's so important to meet regularly because we have to keep ourselves um, in line or in check because we know our tendency is to go back to our old ways and our old pattern. And what you're describing to me is you, this this relationship might develop into something and it's not going to be the right one for you and you're probably going to face a lot of trouble because you don't want to hurt his feelings and, and tell him. But let me tell you, you're going to hurt his feelings way more down the line if you lead him on or if you start a relationship with him when you're not into it. Let him be with someone that likes him. Don't don't You're not doing him any favors by being with him if you don't think he's the right one for you at all. People always say that, I want to be nice. So I don't want to reject this person. Well, no, let them know and let them move on rather than lead them on or think you're being nice by dragging things out. And although you know what you want, you want a friendship. And if you want something romantic and you might think, well, I can just keep it that way. It doesn't seem very likely that's going to happen. You're going to get yourself in trouble if you keep spending time with this person that you said clearly expressed a romantic and sexual interest in you when you don't see him in that way. It is like leading him on. You know, a man and a woman just meet and start a friendship. It, it can happen, but usually, especially when one person explicitly shows an interest, it, you're playing with fire, and especially a type of fire that's very risky for you because you're the type that's going to want to take care of him and not care if you're unhappy or unsatisfied or not even attracted to him because you'll say, oh, well, I have everything I need in my life, and this is someone to spend time with. No, you find someone that you really like. I'm not saying... It's easy, and I'm not saying it means it's going to be right in front of you as soon as you move on from this, but I would hope you keep looking and be aware that your pattern is to get into a relationship where it's more about the other person than you, and that's a problem. Um, right, right. Um, I, I don't know. In a way, I saw it as a, maybe... I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to convince. Yeah, it sounds even though even even the way you're talking right now, it just sounds like someone trying to convince themselves to do something they know is not right. Oh well, um, so who cares? It's it's so oh, it's not a big deal. It's just breakfast, you know. That that's how I'm hearing you talking, and I want you to be aware of that because it's very risky. And you're, I'm glad you've recognized that you have codependency issues that have gotten you to go to the CODA meetings. But you have to be aware that this is kind of a classic codependent relationship that you might be starting. And that's, you know, what you're supposed to be, you need to avoid more than anything. So I would recommend not even going to breakfast tomorrow. Of course, it's up to you because it will lead him on and think something is developing. It seems like in his eyes, you guys are just starting a relationship, but taking it slow. 
And from what you told me and how you started the conversation, you don't see this person at all as a romantic partner for you. So I would hold off and I wouldn't say, oh, there's no one else my age working on themselves. Everyone is sick. Everyone has problems. Why not? That That's not a, the right reason to start a relationship. You should really want to be with that person. And from what you described, that's not there. Thank you very much. Good. Nice talking to you. Good luck. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. We've reached our next commercial break. We'll be right back. Back to In Session with Dr. Fadir Talakwi. Let's go to our next caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, Dr. Talakwi. Hi. First of all, I really thank you for giving us the opportunity. It's um, my pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you so much for that. Um, second, I wanted to tell, tell you that I'm sorry for my broken English. and really sorry for the listener. Maybe it does, I'm sure it does bother them, but I really didn't have other choices, so hmm. I decided to call, uh, to call you, even though that my English is not very good. Well, so, so far, so good, so don't worry about it. Go ahead. Okay, so my, uh, I'll just give you a quick uh, information about my, my past. Mm-hmm. I came to Canada. Uh, I came to Canada like nine years ago with my husband. Um, we lived in Iran for six years. And then uh, because of the heart situation problem that he had, because Tehran was very polluted, he decided to come back to Canada. And then I came with him. Here we got, uh, uh, I, uh, I gave birth to a baby girl after three years in Canada. And my daughter now is um, six years old. Unfortunately, when my daughter was um, three years old, my husband passed away. Mm. Yeah, and then I just got in, in a relation with his friend. In the beginning, he was very kind. Um, he always wanted to help us. Not that he's not kind now. It's just that it looks like things are different. And I try, I'm trying to understand him. That's why I called you. We mm. got married um, after three years, almost three years, that we were in relation. At first, we weren't. It was only him helping me, raising my daughter, taking her to parts, or taking both of me and my my daughter to places. Then we got so. Um, I don't know how to say it used to him. Um, my daughter kind of like replaced him um, mm-hmm. as his father, as her father. Right now they have a very good relation. He's very kind to her. Like he usually, <laughs> not usually, he doesn't bother her at all. He tries, uh, he gives very good services to her. She, he's kind to her. But 
to me, now I'm pregnant with him, right? Um, because we got married after two and a half years. Yeah. Um, I'm pregnant eight months uh, far. The problem I have with him is he kind of, he kind of it, it looks like that he wants to bother me. How how does he do that? Sorry, how does it how does he do that? Yes. Okay, like we go to places, to parties. Um, he brings up subjects that I really don't like, and then when we come home again, he says says things that it really bothers me so much. Like I've gone through so much in my life. Um, I'm 38, but maybe I look, I don't look like 38. But like he says, when he says someone, he says like, look, she's older than you, but she she looks a lot younger than you. Hmm. That bothers me so much. Of course. How old is he? He's 52. Well, I mean, clear, of course, I mean, I could hear it in your voice and that you're, you're crying, it's bothering you, but it makes sense, it bothers you, that's not okay. If anything, I hear it as he's, he's insecure about his own age and how much older he is than you, so he keeps bringing that up. Yeah, that's, that's my, I'm, I'm just trying to understand him because I really, I don't want, and I could divorce happens between us, because I'm pregnant. And I know he's a, he's a very good person for my daughter. I just don't understand. I want to understand him why he well, does that to me. Okay, yeah. If he has, if he's a good person to your daughter, he has to be a good person to your daughter's mother. He has to be good to you too. He doesn't. You're not describing a good person to me. If he's putting you down in this way, Is, exactly. Are there other ways but he I puts have you told down? Him before. Does this happen but often? It has. It has happened like. Within the last two and a half years, it has happened. When whenever we go and we meet someone, he brings up stuff that he knows that I don't like. Sometimes when he sees my pictures, again he makes comments like that what? I really like. Oh, look, you're you look awful in here. You look so tired. And he makes fun, and my daughter laughs, and he laughs at it as well. While I'm working like eight hours a day. And then two hours come in. Well, I'm tired most of the time. I am. I am tired. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that's a lie. But well, no, it's not about. So much it's not about. Too. I know, but him. The comment he's saying: if you're tired, he's not supposed to make fun of it or say you look bad. I mean, it's not. You're almost. You're almost believing what he's saying that maybe he has a right to talk about you in in that way. Um, my guess is the way you're crying, it's not just he makes these comments. There's probably more going on. Yes, like two days ago, there was another, there was, there was, a, there was his friend who got married, brought a girl from Iran. And obviously, she, she, she's a lot older than me, but she probably had an easier life than me or better gene or whatever it is. And then the way he was uh, talking to her, and she, he was sitting beside her. She's been in Canada only for 44 months, so obviously she doesn't know so much. She has so used to Iranian culture. So, and then her husband had to tell him, can you change your seat at the dinner table? 
So uh-huh. he he changed his suit. And then after that, when we are coming out, when we were leaving the party, he told her that I can come and take you uh, for a ride if you're so bored at home. Because she was, during the conversation, she was saying that I am bored at home. I don't know anyone here. I just look at look through the window and I look, at, look outside during the day waiting for my husband. And then he was offering to go and pick her up and show her around. And that bothered me of so course. much. And, uh, when we came home, I said, well, do you like it if your friends offer me such a thing? Why did you say that to her? I felt so embarrassed. And even the husband didn't even say anything. We were both shocked. Even the girl didn't say anything. What did, he say, what did your husband say to you? Oh, I don't look at it the way you look at it. She's here, she's alone. Uh, maybe I meant with you. I'm never alone. I'm always with you. So I meant probably I'm going to take her out with you. I'm so, I said, but you didn't say that. You said, I'm just going to come out, come here, take you out, take you for a ride. Yeah. So these are different. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I, mean, I mean, clearly you're unhappy with him, and I can understand the way he's treating you. It doesn't seem like you feel he respects you. Exactly. That's how that's how he is. Like he says, he's her own nieces, and then they are older than me. Then this, he says, "Oh, look, they look younger than you. What a what a good gene they they have." And I say, "What can I do? You have seen me for two years at least before we get married, and these are uh, these all happened just just after we got married." Well, it seems like. I mean, he was just trying to get you, and then once he got you, he feels like he can treat you however he wants. Because you said he was, uh, you put it, nicer at the beginning or kinder at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you ask me, maybe it wasn't the best idea. You know, I don't know how close she was to your husband, but, you know, and, and getting married with him and having a kid with him when you were unhappy, I would not, I don't, you know, don't think that was the best idea. But that's, you know, you can't change that part. Um but it, clearly you're very unhappy in this and it doesn't seem like it's going to get any better because he doesn't even take your concern seriously. He doesn't care what you feel. Exactly, yes. And, and I that's never a big problem. something that bothers him. You know, he's, he's older than me. He, my, my profession here in Canada, even though I'm here only for nine years, is a lot better than him. Like I'm working in a profession that I can grow and everything. Um, and I'm studying and working and everything. But I, I mean, the maybe. the way you describe the situation is that he thinks you're better than him, but he has to put you down to make him feel more okay. Probably, but unfortunately, that's, that's you're believing it, it. I mean, I think that's what it was from the beginning. Unfortunately, you, you maybe you were so uh, hurt and alone after your uh, you know ex husband died or your or your first husband died, and you were just needing someone. And he swooped in, he saw the opportunity, and maybe he thought, I can maybe get this girl that he saw as better than himself, but now he always has to put you down to make him feel more okay. And and maybe he even just sees, maybe he sees women in that way in general, but especially with you, he just sees, it seems like he's looking at people as just objects, if he just now wants to uh, talk to your, his friend's wife, um, but says he's doing it as a nice person. Again, he's such a nice person, he wants to show her around but the kindness he was showing you was not real kindness because it seems like there was yeah. a big price you know he was attached and i'm not saying get divorced now 
Um, I know you're you're about to have a baby very soon, but I don't want you to think that this is good for your daughter either, even if he's nice to her. But if he's making fun of you in front of her, um, yeah, he does make fun of yeah, my face. Yeah, and that's the voice for a girl. No, a yeah, woman, it's gonna you know? exactly. It's gonna affect. I mean, I don't, I don't believe you when you say he's such a good, you know, father figure for her. The way you're describing him and. And it's really hurting you, clearly. I mean, you're just talking about it and you're in tears. And I know you're saying you don't want a divorce for your daughter, but this is not okay. This is not a marriage. This is just, he's just putting you down constantly because of his own weakness. He's not, he's not able to, to handle you and you being even, you're saying, professionally more advanced than him and being yeah. uh, younger than him. I, I just don't see you know, what you're getting out of it. Really, to be honest with you, what do you get from marriage? What do you like about him? Well, all, all I wanted was a good father for my daughter because I know I made the wrong decision, but he was very kind to both of us. He was bringing yeah, but food that I know, but see, that's not this is my I know, but this is what kindness kindness is different than doing gestures that look nice. Kindness comes from a genuine place. If I want to you know, steal something from your house so every day I bring food so you let me in so I figure out the map of your house. I'm not a nice person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so he's he's not he wasn't really so nice, I think you're seeing that now. And a lot of that exactly. kindness is disappearing. Yeah. So it wasn't kindness. He maybe he fooled you. I mean let's just say he you know he 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 were vulnerable and he came in and he was doing nice things, but he wasn't a nice person. And you needed them then so you really um we're grateful to him and, uh, you know, appreciated all that. But it doesn't mean you need to now stay with him the way you're describing it. Because for me, all couples have issues, but at least there has to be an understanding of, okay, if one person is hurting, the other person cares. But you're saying that if you say something upsets you, he doesn't seem to care and he'll say it again. No, I, this morning I, I told him, he said, why are you upset? Are you upset about our daughter, like my, my daughter? Mm -hmm. Something because something in the morning happened between between me and my daughter, and I said no. I'm, I'm I told you a couple of days ago that I'm still upset because what you said to your to your friend's wife. And he, he after that he said I don't know what to tell you. And he had slept for two hours. If he told me that he had bought he's been bothered with me saying something or acting or doing something, I would just try to talk to him and understand him and tell him that I really didn't mean it. Yeah. But he, him he, going back to bed and sleeping, I really don't understand it. How can you sleep when you know I'm so uncomfortable and I'm, I'm still hurting with what you do, what yeah. you did and what you said? So what's your recommendation here, doctor? Because I really believe in your knowledge. Well, I mean, the marriage seems like it's not, there's not much there in it for you, the way you're describing it, other than you, you see a father figure for your daughter and now you're um, pregnant with a, a second child. So I think you feel stuck in that way. You know, let me ask you this. Have you ever talked to him about going to couples therapy? Yeah, he's okay with it. He said, okay. I, I, I was looking online last night, and then he thought that I'm looking for someone else, but I didn't tell him that I'm looking it for myself. But I think he's okay for, uh, to come uh, to couples therapy, yeah. Well, I, would, I wouldn't make that suggestion to him to go. I mean, my guess is, because I don't want to tell you, uh, get a divorce, because I don't 
do that, you know, say that explicitly. The marriage sounds like, you know, he, a big thing in a marriage is to feel that the person cares about you and respects your feelings. And it doesn't seem like you have that. And that's very basic. And without that, there's not much else you can do. But if you want to go to couples therapy, at least go. I think maybe it'll become more clear to you what's going on. Or even go, I would say in the meantime, even going to your own therapy to get some clarity about what's going on. I think mm -hmm. you, you know, you lost your ex-husband or your, your former husband and then you never really got to grieve that loss. Really, maybe what it would have been better for you is to have been sad for a while and not have this man yeah. come into your life. Because exactly, the, the yeah. timing you described was um, there was no overlap. Because even when you started talking about your husband who passed away, you immediately started crying with me. Yes, that's which, true. Which tells me you still haven't grieved that loss. And no. this happens a lot of times. We, we try not to feel the pain and we instead we try to fill it with something else and it doesn't quite work because that wound is still there and needs to heal. So you still have to grieve that loss. And I'll tell you what, if you decide to separate from this husband, um, it's going to be very painful for lots of reasons. But one of the reasons is also because you never lost uh, or grieved your previous loss. This yeah. loss is going to trigger a lot of feelings for you. So I want you to be ready for that. I don't think... To get a divorce from him is going to be easy for you whatsoever. I understand that. But I would say at least get into your own therapy first. And if he's willing to go to couples therapy, I'll be honest, I don't have a lot of hope for this relationship because the way you're describing him, that just seems like the way he is. He's not going to change that part of him. I mean, I don't want to just make that judgment, but that's the way it seems to me. But at least maybe it'll give you more clarity with the help of a therapist to see that, you know, what am I staying in this for? And I want you to keep in mind that if he is disrespecting you or really hurting you extremely uh in ways or you know the ways that you're describing it that's not going to be good for your daughter either and as you recognize that's bad for her the way he talks so much about your appearance and puts you down that's going to affect her self-esteem the way she views men and relationships and all of those things so it's not doing her any favor by staying with the man that treats you poorly yeah you're right okay thank you so much thanks for calling for good help. luck take care of yourself thank okay you. thank you thank all you right. so much take care bye-bye all right, we've reached our next commercial break. Studio number 3104410555. We'll be right back. Welcome back to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. Let's go to our next caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hey, good day, Doctor. How are you today? Good, thank you. How are you? Thank you, Doctor. Thank you for accepting my call, first of all, and thank sure. you for the time you dedicated to all Iranian community. Thank oh, my you very, pleasure. very much, thank Doctor. You. Uh, Doctor, my question regarding my daughter. Okay. And uh, she is uh, born in 2000. At uh, 2007, we go to actually divorce with my wife. And after 2007, she was uh, living with her mother. And between 2010, 11, 12, I saw so many red flags. And right now, my, da my daughter from last month, she, come, she decided to come to me and live with me. I live in Toronto, Canada. Huh? And uh, my daughter uh, diagnosed first the general anxiety disorder. After that, they said a specified anxiety disorder. And right now, they said uh, she has a clinical depression and ADHD. Okay. Uh, plus, my doctor cut herself in arm, in leg, and... Uh, Your daughter cut herself? Yes. Okay. Yes. Cut, cut with his leg, cut with his arm, 
Do you know what she cuts? What does she use? Uh, sometimes with uh, um, something sharp. I never see yeah. it, but the cut is uh, cut is obviously you can see it, and it is maybe one inches or two, three centimeters, mm. one, one, one centimeter. Mm-hmm. And uh, she she's a psychiatrist, and a psychiatrist is uh, see her each two, three weeks. And uh, she's a gifted child, and after grade 10, everything comes down. Mm-hmm. And right now, she smoke uh, cigarette, she smoke joint, uh, weed, uh, she, mm-hmm. she, uh, she is drinking alcohol. And uh, she got a magnet, but uh, to the bad things, every bad thing she, she got it. And in her school, nobody talked with her because of the EQ problem she has it. And now, uh, when she, just so I'm clear, you said she moved with you a month ago. Is that right? Y- yes, that's Bef- right. Did, before oh, that, was she in a different city or in the same city? Yeah, she's a different city. Okay. Her city is at 80 kilometers different, but because she got those, uh, because in the school, nobody talked with her. She, they put it in a circle and make a mimic from her. And she got these people, which is a smoke and a drink. And some of them are good people. Some of them is not okay, have a problem. Mm-hmm. But she hang on with them. But every day from from the Toronto, she goes to the, to the city. Which she go to a school. Uh, she don't want to leave that city. Uh, the things uh, for insight to my family. I don't want to because my wife is not here. I don't want to talk about it. But if you see there's a friend, there's a friend, uh, her mother's house, exactly like a Monica, with certain rule and regulation must be neat, mm-hmm. even the color of clothes and everything. But my house is like a joy house. And when she come to me and ask me, Dad, what is the rule and regulation of this house? I said to her, I only hope we're honest with each other. And if you can't talk about anything, don't talk it. I, I totally understand. That's all. Right. Whatever it is, we talk about it. And she start to talk. I, I start to listen. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, when I caught myself, I said, well, I'm wondering why you caught yourself. Mm-hmm. Why you don't beg something? Because daddy, when I, when I, because his motion is up and down, like mm-hmm. up and yeah. down. Sometimes she's very happy. All of a sudden, for any reason, she's very sad. She said to me, when I caught myself, I joy. Got joy in cutting herself, and uh, uh, she's she's drinking. And I said she smoked. And I said to her, okay, I, I'm gonna buy for you a smoke. How many pack you smoke each day? She told me I, I am I smoke only five uh, cigarettes. Okay, I buy for him cigarettes. I said what about the joint, the weed? He said I take from uh, I go asking for the people. I said no, I don't want to ask for the people. I want you to know I'm not happy you were smoking, not me, not your mother, smoking, drinking. But I'm going to buy for you. I buy for him that joint from the store, give it to her. But she come to me and said, Daddy, this is the empty pack. That means buy another one for me. And I said to her, do you know these things? Because you use the drug for the depression, you use the drug for the age, what is it? ADHD. Yes, this 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 smoke is gonna uh, change everything. This, this drug is not gonna affect. Said so, Daddy, I have to. I don't now, know. Now, now let me. Okay, let me. Let, you know, a few things already. I'm seeing. 
you know, you said her mom is too strict, but strict is bad, but it doesn't mean having no boundaries or rules is good to go to the other extreme, um, to necessarily buy her cigarettes and buy her these things like her marijuana. I don't, I, I don't agree with that. Um, okay. Okay. Now I would, you know, it's. I understand you want to have this open relationship with her, but especially it seems like she wasn't seeing you that much for for some time. Is that right? Okay, that's right. Yeah, well, I mean, no, but was she not living with, when she wasn't living with you? How much were you seeing her? Uh, the media, she, she 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 saw me every time. Every time she needed me, she called me. I go right but, over. Okay, over, but over, how over. often was it? How often? The media, it was uh, first. It was every week. Who days after that become each uh, in the month two times after that one time and after that they come to me. Okay, so there is one weekend in the month, two weekend in the month, before four weeks in the month, and yeah. like that. Okay, so it seems like you were, you know, maybe in some ways you're trying to make up for lost time and so give her everything that she wants, but that's not necessarily what's best for her to just give her what she wants. I think it's good that you want to talk to her about things and have an open dialogue and discussion. That's very good. But to think that I have to just give her everything I want because her mom wouldn't give her anything and I'm going to be the opposite, that's not healthy either. Um, now, I did want to talk about the cutting a little bit because that is something that a lot of uh, parents, I mean, of course, understandably, it can scare them. So there's cutting. Sometimes people do burning. They, it's a similar type of thing. Um, but the cutting is not... A suicidal behavior. Uh, so some people will cut, meaning they'll actually cut into their skin using a knife, a blade, something, and to the point where blood comes out. And I know you said your daughter described it as joy, but there is a feeling of, well, one, there's some endorphins that get sent because of the pain. But oftentimes people who cut say that there's this feeling that they can feel their pain. So Maybe emotionally they were numb or they have so much emotional pain. Sometimes it's nice to even see the blood or see something. It could sound peculiar or odd, but it is something that um, many people do as a coping mechanism. Now, it's not a healthy one. We don't want them to do that. And there usually is this cycle of after they do it, they feel ashamed of it. Sometimes they hide the mark. Sometimes they don't. There's a lot of different things that are going on. But it is a phenomenon that I would, if you haven't done research on it, I would look it up yourself to learn more about that. It's good that you're talking to her and, and allowing her to feel comfortable about it because lots of parents think I should just tell them to stop or force them to stop, but it doesn't work that way. Um, what your, your daughter does need is treatment. And I know you said she sees a psychiatrist, but she also needs to see a therapist. Is she seeing a therapist right now? Uh, her, psychiatrist, her psychiatrist is her therapist as well, too. Okay, and that can be good, except that you're saying it's every other week or so, and I think she needs something more intense, but uh, I would talk to the psychiatrist about that, because I think she would benefit from that too. How long does she see the psychiatrist when they have their appointments? She, she, saw, her, she saw him for last uh, year, and I'm trying to uh, find for him clinic, uh, uh, clinical psychologist like yourself, but she don't trust, she don't want to go. She goes and quits. I don't want to go. The only person she trusts that the doc, that that psychiatrist doctor. She even when when we when she with him, she's not open fully. And I think she mentioned it to me, but I always I try to more listen to talk. And she said to me, "Daddy, the thing I told you, I sometimes I can't tell even to my doctor." 
she's so intelligent. She pissed off until not three, four uh, um, psychiatrists. That means that they don't want to see her. Yeah. Uh, she knows what she has to say to you. Uh, that you want to hear it? Yeah. Now, one uh, thing I'll say, a diagnosis that comes to mind, I don't know what they've told you, said they've given her a few. There is some features of borderline personality disorder that you're describing. They said, yeah. they, they, they said this one, they, they said what we have to measure at 18. That's right. Next year, they said to me. Yeah, but that's something I'm definitely seeing. Uh, cutting is something, so we call it uh, cutting or parasuicidal type of behaviors. Um, the up and downs of the mood that you described, her inability with trust and having a hard time with relationships. These are all factors of that. Now, I'm at a commercial break, but I wanted to talk to you a little bit more. So hang on the line and we'll talk after the commercial break, okay? Thank you, Dr. Sure, thank, thank you. you. All right, you're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Talak. We will be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to our caller. Caller, are you still there? Uh, yes, doctor. Okay. I, I, I remember something. Let me ask you, please. Okay. Uh, when do you want to come to the air? What time is Los Angeles time? Um, in Los Angeles, 12 p.m. 12 p.m. in Los Angeles time. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. Doctor, uh, regarding my daughter, yes. I remember doing break. One thing, she worked in the library and she worked in Kumon, which is teach the math and everything. Uh-huh. And um, in the age, at uh, 2010-11, uh, we got one movie about um, Harry Potter. Uh-huh. She saw it for two times. She remembered all the words, uh, started to talk with them. And that time I told her, okay, when I see it was a normal thing, I, I told her, okay, it's English book you read, I give you five. Tell me what you get from that book. It's French book, I give you ten. You give me lots of ten and and she is very fluent in both languages. Mm-hmm. And uh, the thing is that she is right now have a work in the library. And I said to him, why to work? Uh, is that better created? She told me, Daddy, in my mind, so many things come and go fast. That means 10 things come and go fast mm-hmm. at the same time. And uh, this work makes me, I, uh, I control my mind, makes me, Make me bring me down. That I wanted, and I said, okay, if that case, go to this work. But one of the work, uh, she they said to come to the next month because all the cuts she has, that she don't, she don't want to, she don't want to have the shirt uh, because all the cut is uh, so obvious. Mm-hmm. Uh, she not one of the work. What the library? The, she applied. She got the job from grade ten, which is everybody was grade eleven or twelve. The other thing is that she told me when, when from here to the from Toronto to the city she she goes every day um, is that uh, 70 kilometers and she's one and a half hour in between. I said to him, okay, what about I give you some uh, some things you can have uh, Wi-Fi? She said, no, daddy. The best thing happened to me when I in the metro. I can read my book and clear my duty. I can peace of mind. 
Uh-huh. And that's all I want to uh, yeah. add it to. Uh, well, you know, clearly it seems like she's... Like you talked about her emotions being very up and down. It seems like she does like to have the peace and quiet because in her mind even it's not very quiet most of the time. So I, I wouldn't take that away from her. I'm okay with her working in the library. I wasn't sure if I got your question there. Do you not want her to work in the library or what was... No, no, no. no. I, I want to work in the okay. library because she told me she's make comfortable yeah. making comfort zone to her. She don't want to leave it. Yeah, that that's. I think that's nothing wrong with that, with her working uh, there. But, you know, she's had a lot of instability in her life. You know, you talked about um, you guys got divorced and she was living with her mom and then she's now living with you. And my guess is that means things were not very good with her mom or they must have had some type of arguments or disagreements. And eventually she came to you. And so she's had a lot of instability. The borderline personality disorder is something, and I'm, I, I think it makes sense that they were mentioning that to you that I would be concerned about and if she indeed does have that that means that relationships for her are going to be difficult including with you with anyone and that you have to be ready for that there's going to be a lot of ups and downs instability um, even you know what looks like manipulation but really just trying to get her needs met that you have to be ready for and also as much as I was saying she's been through so much instability, how different you are than her mom, you have to be aware of that, that you don't want to totally change everything that she's used to because that that's not necessarily a good thing either. So I want you to keep that in mind. I think you want it to be very different from her mom, and in some ways that's a very good thing. But when you're describing buying her marijuana for her, buying her cigarettes for her, that's a concern for me because the fact that she's using the marijuana and she's taking psychiatric meds, there can be some type of interference of those things. And it's important for her to talk to her psychiatrist about that. I also think her seeing a therapist is a good idea every, at least every week, once. Um, every other week is not necessarily going to be enough. Now, she might not say she trusts him. Yeah. I'm sorry, you said every week, that's right? Yes, every week. Okay, thank you. Because that's usually, um, you know, most therapy. And she might even need more intensive therapy. Now, if she does, in fact, have borderline personality disorder, and obviously I can't give her that diagnosis, but that's something we're keeping on the radar. There's something called DBT. Are you familiar with that? DBT? Yes, DBT. It's Dialectical Behavioral Therapy. Um, it's used. It was developed to treat borderline personality disorder, but it's used for other um, illnesses as well. But it's usually a very intensive type of treatment, but it's, it's shown to be very effective for borderline personality disorder. And it's very intensive. They um, have to go, they have to commit a year to it. They have to regularly go to sessions, I think even several times a day. Um, but it can be very helpful. Of course, she'll have to want to do that. You can't force her to, but I want you to keep that in mind. So DBT. Um, if you Google it, you'll see it as something that's used a lot for borderline personality disorder. Yeah, it's kind of like CBT, but with a D. The D is in David, exactly. Okay. Thank you, thank you. Thank that's something that, if that in, indeed is a diagnosis she receives, I would keep that in mind. Um, what is your relationship like with her right now? My relationship was very, very good with her, but... Sometimes all of us, she got anger. I let him. She 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 she, she expresses anger. Uh-huh. She with high voice. After after a while, I said, "I'm sorry if I did something wrong. I apologize. I didn't know it. I, I am learning 
as you learning, I, I don't have any other children, I'm learning with you. Mm-hmm. And after that, she calmed down and said to me, Daddy, I'm very, very sorry. It wasn't my fault. Totally, it wasn't my fault. It wasn't your fault. I start to talk to you like that. Uh-huh. But uh, I see it's up and down. And yeah. she come all about saying houses in her room and start to take all the pictures down. I don't want it. And after that, said, Daddy, your kitchen is not good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna re- uh, organize. When she got intense, she she tried to organize all her books because she got a lots of books because read, she loved to read. Mm-hmm. She take all the books down and again order organize it the way she was. After that, this calmed her down, gave him peace of mind. Yeah, she happy. Her eyes start to shining, but most of the time. She don't say anything, or when it when it said it, she she explode in anger, and when I ask him question, one time I ask him question, she, she told me, Daddy, you don't have to put the ask me question. I, I try to manage my anger by saying, Why you bring this one? I said I wanted to express your anger out. I don't want to um, dip it down and put it down and push it over there because it come out very badly. Yeah, that's the whole situation okay. right now. Well, yeah, I mean, it's gonna, you know, uh, it seems like you're trying your best to be there for her and to make things the best that you can, but it seems like you know, if someone has borderline personality disorder or whatever it is she's dealing with, uh, I was actually talking about it earlier in the show, but there's something we call a frustration tolerance, how much we can handle, and for your daughter, things really just affect her very deeply. So. Uh, you know, something happens and you might not think it's that big of a deal, but it might make her feel devastated or really upset and rageful and you'll see something from her. So, you know, that makes it difficult to, to deal with someone who's going through that. Um, you know, I know you said she was di- diagnosed with anxiety disorders before. She could even have those in addition to some personality things that are going on. Uh, you know, it's something you just have to keep an eye on and, and see how she's doing. And as far as the cutting goes... I, like I said, I think it was good that you opened up the conversation and didn't judge her about it. Uh, most parents don't react in that way, but it's something to keep in mind, uh, you know, in, in, in how she's doing, that she's trying to cope with her emotional pain in that way. And in the long run, we'd rather she finds other ways of doing that. Um, and if she goes into a treatment like DBT, they actually talk about there's no... They can't do certain types of behaviors. They have to try to stop. They they try to stop those types of behaviors and self harm, and, and cutting is under self harm is one of those types of things. So, you know, it looks like your daughter inherited a lot as far as what she saw and with between you and her mom and living with her mom. And we didn't get into the genetics. I did want to ask you about that. But you're dealing with no, someone who's dealing with mental illness. Yes, go ahead. Tell me about genetically. Do you know? About, everything is there. Except schizophrenia. Okay. You got a bipolar there. You got a anger there. You got a depression there. Okay. Both side of the family. Yeah. Okay. So, so you yeah, almost like you describe it as a variety pack. You guys have a little bit of everything <laughs> from both sides. So you know, we know that she's dealing with a lot. You know, so she's. I want you to recognize, and it seems like you do, that your daughter. You know, I think. Uh, the way you described the mom, you didn't want to get into too much and talk about her, and I can appreciate that, um, especially in dealing with her, that you don't want to badmouth her mom in any way. That's never helpful and only hurts her. Uh, but there's a lot going on, and also her relationship with you isn't probably as strong as it needs to be. She's been living with you a month ago, 
And I don't want you to feel, because almost I get the sense from you that you want to make up for the lost time and make it good really fast or make it how you like for it to be. But be patient with her and be patient in your relationship with her. That, of course, you will hope it's for the rest of her life and it's going to take, it has all that time and you give it the time it needs to develop into what it can become. But don't try to become the good parent or become everything for her because you can't do that and if you try to push it too much you might do things that won't even help her like i think buying the marijuana or buying the cigarettes and getting her um you know to to sh to try to be the good dad who gives you everything that you want she really does need treatment very badly but she has to want the treatment so uh, i think you're trying to get her to see a, a therapist or whatever you might try to do you have to make sure she's on board and you could say i understand at first it's hard for you um, with someone new, it's going to be hard for anyone and maybe for your daughter even more difficult. But, you know, say, I think it could be best because you deserve it. She really deserves a lot of help. You know, she's dealing with a lot. Dr. Kushan, if telephone with the, with the, with someone can help, can help her because... You mean therapy? She don't want to, yeah, therapy. She don't want to go face to face. Well... She wants I, I generally, even myself, I don't even, I don't do phone therapy because I think, I don't think it's it's a bad thing, but I think, especially for someone like your daughter who needs intensive treatment, um, she's going to need the face-to-face. Now, maybe she's so, you're saying she's so uncomfortable. Um, that's something that'll take some time, but especially if you're saying she um, already says with her psychiatrist now, she doesn't tell him everything, it's even easier to hide things on the phone. Um, and not get into things. So what, I got it. What, what your daughter needs is is very intensive treatment, but it's going to have to be when she's ready for it. And when you talk to her, as I always tell people, rather than saying, oh, look, you have this problem, you have this problem, you need it, you know, show her you can see that she's suffering, connect with her at her pain, and then let her know that she deserves to see someone, that she deserves to get some help. I did, I did doctor. Wonderful. You said that, I did it all the time. Thank you very, very sure. much. Thank you for calling. I only minimize my, my, my mistake. That's all I'm trying to do. That's all you can do. And it's a difficult yes. situation that you're in. I want you to keep that in mind. Your yes. daughter is struggling. It's not an easy situation. So know it's going to be tough. And remember, be patient with yourself and your relationship with her that um, you can't fix it or make up for all the lost time in, in a month or a few months. It's going to take some time. But your daughter is dealing with a lot and you're just going to help her make what's very difficult and challenging a little bit easier. Okay, thank you very much, Sasha. Sure. Thank you very, very much. My pleasure. You too. Thanks bye -bye. for calling. Bye-bye. All right, we're getting to the end of the show. Just another reminder for the seminar this Sunday, April 23rd from 3 to 6 p.m. Um, at the Olympic Collection. Tickets are $40 at the door, and the title of the seminar is Emotional Intelligence. And also, I'm now on Instagram, Dr. Fadi Tolokwi. Um, it's funny, I actually had a caller last week on Monday asking about Instagram, and the next day I, I started my professional page. It wasn't because he had called, it just happened that way. So I'll start posting more there as well, including things like the books of the week, flyers for the seminar, things of that sort. And I got some messages this week on um, potential books for the books of the week. So thank you to those people that have messaged, and please feel free to message me um, on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, books that you think would be good for the show to choose for books of the week. I haven't picked all the books for the whole year, so there's definitely spots available. So please um, send me those suggestions whenever you'd like. All right, we've reached the end of today's show. Thank you to the callers and Raman here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dalakwi. Have a wonderful day. Mm -hmm.